there's probably not enough artists from working class backgrounds and that kept me away for a long time I think just feeling like you don't really belong in that world because you feel quite different you know you don't have the same background and language and cultural experiences and it can have an effect on I guess you know that imposter syndrome being really <laughs> deep-rooted and coming out um, and limiting yourself in the, in the art field. Hi there, my name's Willie Russo and you're listening to Interview with an Artist, the weekly show where we speak with a range of art world players. That's Sess McCulley. She's an Australian artist living and working in the south of France. Sess and her husband moved in 2019 with their two young children and a handful of French phrases. And it seems the lack of French language has given Sess an even deeper appreciation for words, which shouldn't be surprising as Sess is a lover of language. Her multicoloured text pieces revolve around sentences from daily observations and the inner working of the mind. Things like, I want a real adult to take over. And, if only you knew the shit I clicked on. In today's episode of Interview with an Artist, among many other things, Sess and I talk about her discovery that different languages have different colours, the inspiration for her True Selves project, a platform where strangers from around the world can make anonymous confessions, and the importance of celebrating female artists who are also mothers. I've linked a couple of interesting articles Sess sent me. You can find those in the show notes. As we close out the interview, Sess tells us that she's always first on the dance floor, which immediately makes me think of friends because everyone likes to hit the dance floor with friends, right? So I ask Sess if she's made any friends in her new French village. The story that ensues is hilarious on reflection, but maybe not so funny at the time. It involves a group of French school mums and a short hike that turns into a 19-kilometre epic. If you don't already, follow Sess on Instagram at both Sess McCulley for her art and the True Selves Project for some of the most interesting Instagram reading you'll have in a while. Enjoy meeting the fascinating Sess McCulley. Sess McCulley, thank you so much for joining us on an interview with an artist. You're in the south of France. I am. I am. Oh my God. How long have you been there now? Um, just over two years. So we arrived in um, March 2019. The living in the south of France just sounds like this really beautiful ideal, but then the reality sometimes when you get into your dreams is not <laughs> always what we thought. How has it been? Because you also have a young family who you moved over with. Yeah, I do. It, it was pretty crazy, really, the decision. So I came over with a, a two and four year old, um, and my husband. So uh, look, it is pretty idyllic most of the time. It does kind of live up to to what we expected. But I guess what I um, was quite naive about was my lack of language skills coming in, like basically none. I, I thought it would be fine. I'd travelled here before. You know, you order a couple of times at a restaurant. Yeah, you think, oh, yeah I can get by. And, yeah. <laughs> and then you just forget about, you know, everyday life and, um, you know, having to do things like making a doctor's appointment. And I was um, literally just thinking, is Panadol still the same? Like, is it Panadol? In No, it's not Panadol. I've had oh. to adjust. So now I, I ask for paracetamol. So at least that's the same name at the pharmacy. But, um, yeah, just the language barrier is just huge. 
Um, and so I, I had to rely on a lot of people around me that I've met and I'm not used to that. I guess if that's hard. That's a bit awkward, just being so reliant on people to help you. Yeah. Have you found the, the children have kind of, they're absorbing it quickly? You always hear that children absorb the languages quickly. My eldest, who is now seven, so they're both at the local school now. So I felt kind of awful, but I thought that would be the best thing to throw them in to a local school and just immerse you know, into the language. Yep. And, you know, it's really hard at the start, but um, the eldest one is flying along and I'm already relying on him to help me <laughs> translate at times. Like even um, things like I had to go to the pharmacy and get some iron tablets and it's called um, FER, F-E-R. And I was trying to spell it out for the person behind the counter and just I couldn't even say the F-E-R correctly. And so I had to like call on my son to, to say the letters for me because he had the good accent. So he's doing much better than I am. Yeah. The, the youngest is is plodding along. I, I think he's just absorbing it all and one day he'll just rip it out. Yeah, yeah. And what was the inspiration? Was there family there or just a kind of beautiful creative dream? Definitely the, the beautiful creative dream. We know absolutely nobody. Um, so all our family is back home in Australia. Um, yeah. It just seemed like a, a good fun idea to do at the time and we didn't know whether it would be long term we thought you know we'll go over there until at like, the end of the year we'll see what happens and then we just loved it we weren't ready to come home so we came um, home for a visit that Christmas and then we shipped our dogs over as well. oh so cute came over, our two little mini schnauzers <laughs> <laughs> traumatized I think by the journey but they forgave us eventually yeah Hey, I was reading about your work that you say you've always been obsessed with creating balance. And I wonder, how did that show up in your younger years? I, I suppose it's, it's in my environment. So I'm someone who's just really affected by my surroundings. You know? So if it's chaotic around me, then I feel chaotic on the inside as well. And so I guess, I guess just by making my immediate environment like the things I could control like my bedroom as harmonious as possible um an obsession with matching colors on outfits things like that oh I love it (laughs) I love it and um I'm glad you said the colors because in your um what I'm so sorry what's the right term that I use for your wonderful paintings that are the sentences that look like just streams of letters is there a technical term for those oh no I just call them my my text pieces text pieces okay because I love those and I was literally going back through your Instagram this afternoon just (laughs) looking at them all (laughs) what comes first the phrase or the colors the phrase the phrase so I um because I tend to have uh, control issues at times I thought um, when it comes to the text I would like to free myself of that and incorporate chance and so um, what I did at the start was I developed uh, a bit of a, a code you know a equals this particular color red blue yep. t equals this particular color blue and I'm very strict in keeping to that and so I often have no idea how it's going to look in the end so it's kind of exciting for me. It took a little while in the beginning to 
to set up that palette because I had to use a bit of Max actually. I had to, <laughs> to kind of look into all the type of phrases I want to say and then average out the number of times that each letter appears. So to get an average kind of frequency and then figure out which colors I wanted appearing the most. So I have like a primary, secondary, tertiary level within the letters. And so, yeah, they, they kind of have a, the overall effect that I want in the end, but less control for my part. And so in each piece is, is an A the same colour? Yeah. Like, sorry, a, across all your different text pieces, is the alf- does the alphabet colour remain uniform? Yeah. 95% of the time. Wow. There's, there's been occasions where I've um, I, could, I developed a, a different schema last summer, which was more neon colours. So I did a, a couple of different versions using that. Um, and once or twice I've been commissioned to to do a piece that I'd already done and I don't want to repeat the same piece and so I'll switch up the schema and develop a new one. And occasionally I've done a, a few mono versions, but, yeah, typically it's the same one. And for someone who likes control and likes balance and harmony, I'm in awe of you throwing yourself into a living arrangement where you can't speak the language. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did did that impact on your work has that impacted your work um it's probably made my fascination with language deeper than it already was I recently also did some pieces in German for a a show over there and what I found so interesting is that uh well languages have different colors so uh the frequency that letters appear in German are very different than in English and so the first time I tried, I used the same schema and it wasn't what I wanted. So I had to switch around the schema to suit the frequency of the letters in that language. Oh, wow. Mm, it, um, yeah, it definitely keeps me interested. Yeah. I work. <laughs> and are there any phrases that you thought, I just can't use that or I just can't, I would love to say that, but I can't put that on my piece? Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> 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 all the time, Yeah. Yeah, probably stuff that I can't even say out loud. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you ha- do you have like a little phrase book so that when inspiration strikes you, you just write it down or are they all kind of catalogued in your head? Oh, definitely not in my head. They're catalogued on my phone, so it's always with me. So I found that's the best, the best um, device to use to just jot down things as they come to mind. So often I, I think of the phrase like right then and there and sometimes it's more of an idea or a concept that I have to refine later. Yeah, just when I'm out in the world listening to conversations or um, eavesdropping stuff. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, my God, I love it. And on, on the subject of eavesdropping, your True Selves project that I just found on Instagram looks like a fabulous place of inspiration for you. Um, oh, yeah. Run us through the True Selves project for those people who may not have come across it. Mm. So it's something I started, I think it was around last March. It was around the start of our first lockdown, I think. So it started as, I guess, an online form, just a place for people to submit anonymous like confessions, just things that they can't really say aloud or need to get off their chest. And it was for my own benefit for research, you know, to include into my text pieces, to either use the phrases themselves or just the, you know, just to see patterns that come through, like surprising things from humans <laughs> that I want to use. And then I decided I wanted to start sharing some of them that came through online just I thought you know it's a 
it's a good way for people to connect in a in a different way and it's a bit of a reaction to the over positivity that I see often on social media (laughs) (laughs) yeah we all have these like shadow selves and we often think that we're the only ones thinking these dark thoughts and so it's a good way to express those and vulnerabilities and things and people don't feel so alone I wonder did you ever see the book it was maybe maybe it was in the 90s or the early 2000s there was a project that I I feel might be kind of similar in that a gentleman I think it was a gentleman um, did a postcard project and he put out postcards people could write on them anonymously and post them to him and then he compiled a book yes yes somebody reminded me of this recently and I remember I think I saw it once when I was younger at a a friend's house and I yeah I was thinking oh my god this is I loved that because a bit like you I just love you know the inner workings like eavesdropping on the bus is one of my favorite things to do (laughs) and um the inner working of humans because we all think we're so different but then we're all actually so similar yeah exactly on to kind of more of the work front and the history of your work can you remember the first piece you sold um no it was actually a a small weaving so it was before i decided to pick the brush back up it was I started weaving about five years ago just um more as a way to get out of my head (laughs) it was really tactile and and soothing and um I really loved it and I I did that for a year or two and I'd sold some of those don't really make any money off it because it takes you so long to do when people aren't really willing to pay much for textiles which is depressing and then eventually I I switched to the to the brush. And do you remember a piece of artwork that you saw earlier in your career that really spoke to you or stuck with you? Um, yeah, many. I think, you know, at school I, I studied art and the main exposure was, you know, Australian figurative artists and I always used to look at Whiteley's work with wonder, the, the, the woman in the bath stuff. Beautiful. And I guess more recently, in the like the last five, ten years, it's more the um, the abstract expressionists and you know the work of Rothko and Madelwell and Frankenthaler, that group, very inspiring. And when did you start calling yourself an artist? I guess when I started selling work, maybe, or yeah. or just spending more time focusing on it and and doing it with intent, you know, to to make it a big part of my life. About five years ago, maybe. And if you could change one thing about the art industry, what would it be? Mm, I think, I think it's elitist nature. <laughs> um, I think it's kind of over intellectualized, and you know, there are barriers everywhere for people, and the language in particular really irks me. So I spent a long time writing. You know, for a living and and turning things into plain English and I feel really passionately about that and so I often um, I hear artists kind of talking in circles and using very big words that makes their work sound quite important but I just I get very frustrated because I think it's very alienating for people 
so I wish that you know people made it feel more accessible for everyone you know I get I get sad and sometimes when people who aren't generally into art will will see an abstract work and and kind of clamor up and and say oh I don't I don't understand I don't understand you know and I I think that that's a bit sad I want them to to not freak out and think that they have to, to talk about it in a certain way, you know, that's okay to just say, I like this, I don't like this, this makes me feel like this, it reminds me of this, you know, just make it a bit simpler. Yeah, I like that. Someone said to me once as well, you know, I think a great question or a great entry point for people who maybe aren't from a technical art background or aren't from a, you know, art historian background is just, you know, how does the piece make you feel? Plain and simple, yeah. you know, does yeah. it make you some pieces will make you feel something and others won't and that's okay that's absolutely oh. okay yeah exactly so i think yeah in terms of the viewers and also um you know for for artists i think there's probably not enough artists from working class backgrounds and that kept me away for a long time i think just feeling like you don't really belong in that world because you feel quite different you know you don't have the same background and language and cultural experiences and it can have an effect on I guess you know that imposter syndrome being really <laughs> deep-rooted and coming out um, and limiting yourself in the in that art field. What gave you the courage to finally dive in? Um, I think it was a, it was a combo of things like I'd worked for a long time and felt really frustrated for a long time that I wasn't doing what I really wanted to do. And I'd reached a point where I'd tried everything that I could think of in the creative field. And I was like, there's nothing else. I, ha- I, just, <laughs> I just have to do things. Um, and it just, you know, I, I felt like this kind of hole, I guess, for a really long time, like it, I wasn't getting fulfilled. And when I finally started weaving, I felt that, going away and then I I realized I just I needed to be doing it my husband had also started um, his art practice around that time and I was surrounded by it and so I was encouraged by that and just um yeah decided to dive in and so are neither of your parents creatives or from a creative kind of background no not at all well my mum's a bit crafty actually like she's always been a bit of a crafter but no, like growing up, I never really had much exposure to well, visual arts, but performing arts I was really into. So lots of dancing and theatre in childhood. So I don't remember going to galleries, but musicals were a big thing and and I was in one when I was like seven or eight and I just remember being obsessed with like the costumes. So textiles have been a big influence, I suppose, for me and Mum's uh, a bit of a quilter also. What do you do to get out of a creative funk? You know, I'm really yet to master this. <laughs> I think it depends on like what mood I'm in at the time when it hits. So, you know, I might um, sometimes just sit in it and <laughs> just not get out of it for a while. You know, I'll just have a pour myself a drink and just sit in self loathing for a little while or sometimes I'm able to to dance it off and pump up some music and just shake it off a bit um and you know sometimes I just have to step out of the studio and just go and research or 
do some brainstorming of ideas instead. So that's what's nice about my text work, I suppose. I can just need time to ruminate for a long time and you'll just find me sitting on the couch looking like I'm doing nothing with my phone, but I am actually deeply working. <laughs> You're like, my love, I'm working. I'm working. No, really? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing a lot. And, um, and I do, and I have like bursts like that where I'll just think of, you know, 10 new ideas within like a two or three hour period of just being able to sit on the couch with no one around me. So yeah, sometimes that, sometimes you just need to go and get inspired again and, and go to a gallery, but that hasn't been possible much of this year. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 So you're not in Paris, but you're kind of, you're, you're in the South of France. Has it been as locked down as, as it, we've read Paris has been in the news? Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, we haven't had restaurants or galleries open since the end of October. Oh. It's a long while. But the good news is we've got another about week to go and then they're opening outside dining. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. I, so, I was going to say I feel this excitement oh. for you. <laughs> <laughs> a relief. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. And just get to go to galleries again. So excited. Yeah, wow. That's, and have the have the kids been at school the whole time or have they been have you had Pretty to homeschool? Much. Oh, like, that's good. We, um yeah, it's good, but it's also been just kind of stressful and confusing because all of these other restrictions are in place and it just didn't make sense. Like why? Why are you doing all this other stuff and then still sending them all to school when there's no protections and it's you know, it was circulating in the school at times. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, I've just been a nervous wreck, and especially because, um, like, half our family has severe asthma. Oh, no. And, so, and just, yeah, just communications have just been a bit all over the place. And so I feel like at times it's just every person for themselves in terms of trying to decide the right thing to do because you can't really – go along with everything the government's saying because they have certain agendas. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a bit stressful. But, yeah, the being at school has at least meant that I could uh, keep working. So that was definitely positive. Silver lining. There's a silver yeah. lining. <laughs> um, how do you deal with your inner critic? Mm, probably this, the same way as I was dealing with the um, – the stuff before, I guess. The creative the, funks, yeah. The, the creative, the creative funks is, yeah, similar process to my inner critic, and it's usually I kind of do all of them in different orders depending on the mood. Yeah. Um, sometimes, if uh, <laughs> if I'm not too deep in, I can kind of go, well, I'll look up somebody's work that's doing well that I'm not a big fan of, and go, ah, your work's better than this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Oh that's, my goodness. That's if, yeah. if you're not too deep in, if you're not yeah. like at the lowest yeah. depths of the self-loathing. Point, yeah. You, know? yeah. you can pull um, yourself yeah. out. Their work's kind yeah. of average. Mine's so much cooler than that. It's okay. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. Well, even if I'm average, that's like below average. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sis, and that's guess, gold. <laughs> and I guess that the last point, it's like, you know, well, if you don't like what you've done then you know you just need to do better because that's your only choice because I'm not going to to go back and, and get a job in a, another field so you know, do it or bust yeah 
who's your biggest fan? I think my husband, he's pretty awesome, really, really supportive. And I like to think I am also. So I guess we're each other's biggest cheerleaders. And, yeah. Um, also critics. <laughs> you know, we, we can be very honest with each other and, and tell each other when we don't like something or we're always there to, to pump each other back up when we need can be difficult to receive constructive criticism when you know the other person only has your best interest at heart, but still sometimes it kind of hurts. Yeah, I can, I guess sometimes it's disappointing. Like if I'm thinking, yes, this piece, amazing, I'm loving it. (laughs) And then I'll get a very mediocre response. Yeah, okay. And I'll immediately kind of want to go on the defense. Oh, oh, you're just not getting it. Or <laughs> you just haven't looked at it the right way. <laughs> but then after a bit of time, I'll sit on it and ponder. And um, depends on how strongly I feel about it, I guess. Sometimes I'll, I'll take it on board, and other times I think, whatever, and keep on track. Yeah. It was Mother's Day here in Australia and you did a fantastic series of posts about women as mothers and artists on your stories on Instagram and I saw it and I loved it. (laughs) I wonder, did you get much of a reaction from people for those posts and what inspired you, other than obviously it's Mother's Day, but what inspired you to put those posts up in the first place? Um, So... Yeah, I guess a uh, reaction, like a lot of women in particular thinking it was awesome. Um, but the inspiration came from a, a study that I was reading from the UK about gender inequality in the arts and um, and how, I guess, you know, the, the, the notions of, of motherhood and what that means for artists and, you know, ridiculous quotes by people that are given too much weight, um, you know, like the the Tracy Emin one that, that annoyed me about, um, what did she say? I forget the actual quote. She said something like, of course, there are good artists that are parents. They're called men. Yeah, I mean, I'm sad for her that she feels that way, and you know, that you have to choose because I, I don't think that. But I think a lot of young women probably still feel like that, that they, they do need to choose. And and in a study that I was reading, it, it said that, you know, we really need to, to change that old cliche and we need to do that by celebrating women uh, artists who are mothers and mm. um, really kind of put them in the spotlight to change that idea. So that's what led me to do those posts. I often will do things like that, you know, if I, I come across an issue that, really hits a nerve with me or it touches me deep and I think okay what can you do about it and this is one small thing that I can do about it you know if you've got followers on Instagram you know you can help spread the word by by doing things like that I think it's important for for women to to help other women and um yeah yeah, a small bit. <laughs> yeah, cool. Is that a publicly available study to read, or is it something you're subscribed to? No, it, it's uh, it's available. Um, I did save the link. I was going to yeah. say maybe if you send it to me, I can try and link it in the show notes so people can read yeah. it if they want to. Yeah, yeah, great. I'll do that. That would be cool. Um, Thank you. Pleasure. Where would you like to see your work take you in a couple of years' time? 
Um, I really want to do more interactive stuff around the True Selves project idea. Um, so it's a matter of finding the right environment to do that in. Um, also, I really want to explore sculpture. It's something I've always wanted to do as well. So I think that's on the cards for the next few years. I think I, that's one thing I miss about the textiles, just that tactile nature of it. So I think that would be cool to get back into. Yeah. yeah. We are up to the quick fire five. These are just short one word answers that are not necessarily art related. They're just more about you. So what's your star sign? Libra. What's the last book you read or show you watched? I'm reading this one at the moment. Eleanor, what is it called? Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Oh, I love that book. Oh, it's really good. I'm it's really so good. In, but I'm loving it. Oh, yeah. Keep going. It's awesome. Favorite snack? Currently olives. Oh, are you getting some good olives down there in the south of France? I am. I'm <laughs> yes. going crazy on them. Like I read that, um, you know, how much healthier a snack they are than the other things that I'd been consuming. And maybe I should be concerned about the salt though because <laughs> – I can like go through a whole like punnet of them. Oh, I, I love that. Um, band you played to death in your 20s. 20s is like a blur. I just go back straight away to my teenage years and there's like the doors and Nirvana nonstop. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then first, last, or never on the dance floor? First. I love a dance. Oh, I love it. And have you, I mean, have you made like a circle of friends over there that you kind of? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of taken a while, but I feel like everyone says it's like around that two-year mark that you just okay. find your feet. And I'm yep. finding that that is true. Um, so, you know, we made some some good friends straight away that were really helpful for us and, and now that's expanded. So through the school um, that the boys go to. I've met a lot of parents there. I went on a hike actually uh, last week with a group of mums and, oh, my God, the shock to my system. <laughs> I, I generally don't really exercise and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go along on this hike. It'll be good for me. I think we need to start walking. I did 19 kilometres. Oh, my God, Seth, no. Zero to hero. <laughs> And I nearly died, I swear. My legs were like jelly when I got home. I couldn't move. Oh, my like, God. I think I, I might have been a bit dehydrated as well because, like, I basically got into a fever when I got to bed. My husband was actually getting quite concerned about me. And then he was, I couldn't get out of bed the next morning to take the kids to school. And um, so he went and did that and then just teased me relentlessly oh. because all of the other mums that were walking were there all sprightly and and I was in bed and busted did you like when you got to the eight kilometer was it a round trip or did you like was oh, it it was meant to be but it turns out no one was very good at reading maps and we were zigzagging across the countryside oh oh and my in the god end, it was me who saved the day by getting out my google map going this is the direct way home because we we're going to be late to pick our kids up. We'd gone like all day, basically. Oh my god! Um, oh, that but is... it was, yeah, it was basically a, a 
five hours of me trying to to listen to French conversation, <laughs> not being able to contribute much. Oh my god, Seth, I love it again for a woman who loves control. I am just, I am in an order. I am in awe of you and your willingness to throw yourself uh, into these situations. <laughs> probably wouldn't have if I knew it was like a, a 19k. You think? <laughs> Um, oh my God. Cess McGully, thank you so much for joining us on Interview with an Artist. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. 